right. Come on, we're going to go to this Resident God series. Resident God. What are we learning? We're learning to understand what does it literally mean for God to live inside of me. Not just going to a building and visiting Him once a week. Not just, uh, you know, carrying Him around like an insurance policy that when I get in trouble, I reach out and grab Him. A resident God. That's an amazing concept. We, we understand church. We, 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 we understand we give our hearts to Christ. We understand what it means to be forgiven of sins. But I think too often we stop there. We, we're thankful to be forgiven. We're thankful to have our ticket punched to go to heaven. But what about between the day you get saved and the day you go to heaven? What about all that life? What about all that living? What happens? What does that mean? God is living in us. We, we serve not only God who created the universe... But the God who so changed our lives by accepting Christ and being forgiven that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. I want to go to a familiar passage, uh, John chapter 3, the first eight verses. And I want to look at this from the Passion Translation. It's a new translation uh, just to give us a little insight here, okay? So I want us to look at this. Uh, I, I want you to follow through. We're talking about resident God. What does it literally mean? You're with me? What does it mean to have God living in us? How does that impact our life? Well, let's watch this. Now, there was a prominent religious leader. I I can't stop every phrase, but do you realize that you can be religious and not be born again? Everybody hear what I just said? You can be religious and not be born again. When I talk about a resident God, I'm not talking about somebody that just goes to church every once in a while. I'm not talking about somebody who owns a Bible with their name on the front. I'm not talking about going through an outer ceremony. We're going to see something different here. Here's a religious man, a religious man who thought that he could find what he was looking for in life, that he could find out how to make life work, not by being born again, not by accepting Jesus as Savior, we're just going through ritual and religion, all right? So watch this. Now, there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus who was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he's got all the pedigree, right? He's got all that. Now, watch this verse 2. <clears throat> Pardon me. One night, he discreetly came to Jesus. That's a nice way of saying he didn't want anyone to see him. So he, under darkness, he comes. And this is what he said. Master, we know that you're a teacher from God. And how did they know that? What does he say? How does he know he's from God? For what? No one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Now you have to understand, this Pharisee, Mr. Nicodemus, did not agree with Jesus' theology. Some of these Pharisees claimed that Jesus did what he did because he was demon-possessed. Some thought he was crazy. These were the people who ultimately crucified him. Are you with me? Now, we live in a somewhat skeptical culture, do we not? Are we in a skeptical culture about Jesus today? Would you say that being a Christian in America may be one of the most misunderstood and, and, and even maligned groups of people on the planet? It's true. We don't have a martyr complex. I, I, you know, that's a, we're we're going to do something about that. But here's a man, I want you to see this, who was not a Jesus follower. He wasn't, uh, he did, wasn't sure who Jesus was, but he said, I have to admit, go back to verse two. He said, I have to admit this. He said, we know you're from God for, based on this, 
no one performs the miracle signs you do unless God's power is with him. He said, I don't understand it, but I can't deny who you are. Everybody with me? Now let's look at this. So Jesus cuts right to the chase. Look at this. So Jesus answered, rather than debating theology, watch this. Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive, no, understand, God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. Okay? Do you get that? So watch Nicodemus. He said, rebirth? How can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. You see a struggle immediately. Let's go to this next verse. Watch this. He said, I speak, Jesus said, I speak an eternal truth unless you're born of water and spirit, wind, the work of the Holy Spirit, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. Look at verse 6. This is so important, guys. You have to understand this. For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural. Now, let's stop there for a minute. Here was Nicodemus' problem. He was religious but not born again. He was operating in life, listen to me, without a resident God. The Holy Spirit was not indwelling him. He had not accepted Christ as his Savior. He was therefore not born again. How are we born again? When we put our faith in Christ and confess our sin and accept what he did on the cross, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. He becomes a resident God. Listen closely. Until that happens, no matter how good you may be in your own eyes or in the eyes of others, no matter how intelligent we may be, educated we may be, dedicated we, we may be, religious we may be, we are natural and the only thing that we can do are natural things. So think about this for a minute. What's well, Pastor, is, is that an issue? Well, let's think about that for a minute. What about your marriage? What about your marriage? If you have two natural people, only natural. Are you with me? Now, how many people were born natural? Come on, everybody raise your hand. This is you made 100 on the test. Hey, we're natural. We're just born. We are what we are. We are. So you get two of these natural people. They're not bad people. They're just not born again. And they get married with the best of expectations, right? Nobody gets married hoping to get a divorce. Nobody gets married to have misery. They're married because they're hopeful. They're in love. They have great expectations. Now watch this. But they're, they're natural. There's two natural people. Let's be honest. You don't have to raise your hand or point at people right now, okay? But have you ever in your marriage encountered an obstacle, a difficulty, a problem? You hit a snag in that marriage that you did not have an answer for. Your problem was not a natural sort. It wasn't a, your, your answer was not going to be natural. There was nothing you could go. You know, what, you know what you need in that moment? You needed some supernatural help. And if all we have is natural to rely on, we only give birth to natural. It can never go beyond that. You understand? What about in raising your children? Have you ever had a moment in your child rearing? Maybe a prodigal son or daughter? Maybe a, a, a something raising your children where you knew I need an answer bigger than myself. You encountered something in life where natural was not going to help you. It was just going to give birth to more natural, natural, natural. You needed something above natural. What about in those moments when you get a bad report from the doctor? It's not the doctor's fault. Doctors are gifts to us. They're a blessing. But you get the report. 
And, and, and you're in a moment. You had a crisis. Something happened. You lose a loved one. You walk into a moment of life and you know, I need something beyond natural. I'm not the answer here. I do not have what it takes. Jesus said natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural. So what do we do in that moment? I'm going to take, let's be very blunt about it. Let's talk about church. If a church tries to build God's kingdom only using human resources, it's never going to work. If we think we can do the work of God by being natural, it's not going to work. Let me make it plain. If we think all church is is politics and picnics, we're not going to do the work of God. If we think all the church is is titles and position and power, we're not going to do the work of God. If we try to bring in what we've done outside the church, inside the church, and think we're going to accomplish God's will, it's not going to work. Jesus said the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural. Look at this. But the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. Do you realize that when the resident God moves inside our life, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, I want you to get this, that every place you and I were limited naturally, the limit comes off of you at that point. Everything that stopped you, every ceiling you could not break through, every habit you could not defeat, every addiction you could not break, every fear you could not be free from, everything that life had put on you that was the product of natural living has now encountered a supernatural God and you can live a supernatural life. How many can say amen to that today? That's good news. Now maybe some of you act like you didn't need any help. Just saying, I'm just saying, looking at your face. You're, you're looking at me like, so what? I'm good, Pastor. I'm great. Well, I wasn't. <laughs> and I'm not. And left to myself, I know my limits. I'm thankful that a supernatural God moved inside of me and took the limits off of me, and I have access to God and who He is. Now, let's finish the encounter. Verse 7, we read this. You shouldn't be amazed by my statement. You must be born from above. Do you see that whole encounter? It was so clear. What did Jesus say? There's a radical difference in going through the motions of life, living at your own ability, and the life that is a result of being born again when the Holy Spirit moves in you. When you're born from above, you're born by the Spirit. You, you, you get a new opportunity to live your life. God moves inside of us. Last week in John 14, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when He comes to live in us, will be our counselor, our comforter. He begins to heal you from the inside out. Isn't that good news? All that broken stuff that life did to us. Every one of us in this room, everyone listening to me on any social platform or media outlet, what you need to understand, life has broken all of us at some place. Everybody has had something happen to shatter you, disappoint you break you, limit you, wound you, restrict you. But what we're finding out is there is an unlimited God who is willing to walk in our life and start where we were and begin to heal and deliver and free us and counsel us and give us wisdom and knowledge and help. It's absolutely amazing to see and to know what God can do for us. It's, it's astonishing. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians the fifth chapter. Turn there for a moment. Let's go to verse 16. Galatians 5.16. While you're turning there, remember what we talked about last week? Not only does the Holy Spirit come to live in us and we're born again, we, 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 we begin to live a life 
out of God's resources, not our own. And remember we studied that in 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we have a, we're a new creation, a new creation, that all things become new and old things pass away. How many have some old things you want to go? Yeah. How many want to lose some of that baggage and get it off of you? Yeah. Isn't that encouraging? Old things are gone. Wow. He says, new things come. You're a new person. Then we read in Philippians that, that as the Holy Spirit's working in us, listen, it says, it, the, the Word of God tells us the Holy Spirit in you and me begins to give us the will to do God's purpose and the ability to do it. You see, it's not just up to you trying harder. It's not just up to you and me making up our mind. God's in us changing our will and giving us the ability to fulfill His purpose in our life. But here's what I've learned, and I shared this with you last week. If I'm going to keep walking this new life, I need to spend time with God. I need to have fellowship with Him. I begin to read His Word. I begin to pray, worship, and allow God to begin to deal with me. In other words, what I'm saying is, if you start walking with God, you're going to start becoming like God. How many think that's a great idea? You start walking with God, you're going to start becoming like God. Galatians 5.16, watch this. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit. Hey, let me help you with something. I don't know what, what your life was like, and I wish mine hadn't been like this. It shouldn't have been. I grew up in a wonderful home, a godly home, great parents. But I was stubborn and, and disobedient, and, and I had a period of time in my life before I was a Christian, before God called me to be a pastor, where I was far away from God. And when I came to Christ, I had a lot of baggage in my life. I had a lot of hang-ups. I had a lot of... I had some addictions. I had uh, some sinful habits. I had some things that were wrong, a lot of things that were wrong in my life. And when I got saved, I was serious 100%. I wasn't playing with God. I, 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 got, I was saved. I was born again. I, wanted, I loved Jesus. I, I, I mean, I walked off from everything. I, I, I put it behind me and left it. You know, I kind of jumped off the uh, Empire State Building without a parachute. I said, God, are you going to catch me? It's going to be good or it's going to be ugly, but I'm gone. I jumped. I said, you got me. And, and at first, I didn't understand because I was really serious. And it was hard for me at first because it's kind of, you know how you get your phone, you got your to-do stuff on here? And, and it was like I had two lists that every day I was struggling trying to get this done because I was serious. And I had one list of all the things I was supposed to do. You ever got, ever got trapped up in there? I was okay, I'm a Christian now, so I need to do this, 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 I need to do this. Anybody ever, you know what I'm talking about? I said, okay, I got to remember, I'm a Christian now. And then I had that other list. Okay, I'm not supposed to do that, I'm not supposed to do that, I'm not supposed to do that, I'm not supposed to do that. Did anybody ever get to the list? Maybe you didn't live. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It was tough. It was hard. Like every day I was just like, you know, just, just I was scared to talk to people. Uh, Phyllis has teased the first, uh, I moved within the first uh, nine days after I got saved. Changed colleges, went to a different state. My whole life just, I mean, it was like you shot me to another planet. And, and uh, Phyllis said the first time she met me, at the, at, at the church, see, I told her her discernment wasn't working well that day. But first time she met me, she said she, said she thought I was really stuck up. Hey, man, I'm a friendly guy. How could she think that about me? And let me tell you why she thought that. I was so intimidated by all those Christians. They're just talking, blah, 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 blah. you know, you know how you do. You know, we got our Christian terminology. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, oh, I just love Jesus. I'm born again, washed in the blood. I was like, no, what? Washed in the blood. What is that? You know, I've been washed in the blood, filled the Holy Spirit, praise God, glorified, sanctified, going to heaven. I was like, what are they talking about? 
And they're just talking back. One of the great service. I just love God. I felt the Holy Spirit. I believe God's anointing. I didn't know anointing. I didn't know the blood of Jesus. I'd gotten saved, buddy. I mean, I got radically saved. You know what I'm saying? But, but so I'm just standing there. You know, these people are rattling. You know, I'm intercessory prayer. What is intercessory prayer? I don't know. What is that? Gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I just backed up against the wall, you know. I was glad to be there, but man, they're talking, talking, talking to me. And, and you know, I'm just sitting there. And, and Phyllis, she looks at me. She goes, he won't talk to anybody? He's not saying a word. No one's saying a word. I was afraid I was going to break the list. You know what I'm saying? I was afraid, it, you know, like there's, but you've got to love the real, the reality. There, there's a lady, this is what I was afraid I was going to do. Uh, lady started coming here to Calvary, got saved. Her husband wasn't a Christian. Finally, he came and got saved. Brand new Christian man, never been in church, didn't know all the drill, but he, loved, he got saved. He's excited. He came to me one day after church. His wife's right there with him, you know. And he says, Pastor, I want to tell you something, man. I like this church. I'm glad you're coming. He said, you know what? You know what? This is just one blank of a church, Pastor. I'm just, I said, thank you. I'm happy you like the church. Man, he just, boom, cussed right in my face, you know. And his wife goes white, you know, her eyes get me. She goes, like that, you know. Uh, I didn't say, you don't talk like that. I just said, thank you. I shook his hand and said, I really appreciate it. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid to talk. I had my list, you understand? And it was hard. And some of you think that's what being a Christian is. But here's what I learned. Someone helped me. And I narrowed it down to one thing. I just had one thing on my list. I got rid of all my list. This was it. I said, God, I want to love you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to love you with all my strength. And you know what I started doing? I started walking with God. Look at this. See verse 16? As I say, live by the Spirit, you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You know what I started doing? I realized God lives in me. God's for me, not against me. How many can say amen to that? And I couldn't worry about my list, and I just started loving him. And here's my goal every morning when I woke up. I was like, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I sometimes wish my prayers were as, as simple as they were then. You know, I know so much. But I just wake up. I didn't know. I'd say, good morning, God. It's George. Like he didn't know. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't know. I said, like, good morning. It's George, God. Here I am. What's up today? What are we going to do? You know? And I began to talk to him and walk with him. And you know what I found? The more I walked with him, the more he changed my nature. And the closer I came to God, he changed my appetite. And all those things I thought I could never stop doing, I started not wanting to do them anymore. You know why? Because I was tasting and seeing that the Lord was good. See, I thought all the rest of my life, I'm going to want to do this. And when I became a Christian, I began to realize, man, I've been eating Vienna sausages and I got steak over here. I wasn't tempted to eat those Vienna sausages. I was eating at the Lord's table. Anybody understand what I'm saying? But before I ate his steak, I thought this was all there was. Come on, don't look at me. Some of you got your face in a sardine can and you think it can't get any better. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. you got sardines over here. Here's filet mignon, and it's got the Holy Ghost sauce on it. I'm telling you, if you start walking with God, you know what happens? Your desires change. Your want to change. And it's not 38 things to remember. It's one thing. I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Anybody tracking along with me here? Why? There's a resident God in me, and I will not ignore him. I want him to lead my life. You with me? We're born again. It's awesome. We have to walk it. Now, so let's read this for a minute. So I say, live by the Spirit. You'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Why? For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other. See, you, you, you can go either way. You can, you can walk in your old life. You can walk in your new life. You, you can come to church and never really grow. See what I'm saying? 
just go through the motions, don't read your Bible, don't pray, don't worship, walk with God. And it's just, you know, it's not much to you. That old nature is still preeminent and dominant. You begin to walk in the Spirit, guess what happens? That old nature just begins to die. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're after? Then we come to Jesus to be set free from all that, to walk away from that. I don't have to take care of that. I just need to love Him. God's going to take care of that. How many hear what I'm saying? How do you break out of sin? Love God. How do you stop doing the things you used to do? Walk close to God. How do you, how do you find better friends? Walk close to God. You know, I got rid of my old friends and I found some new ones, you know, because they were walking with God. People ask me all the time, how do I find good Christian friends? Walk with God. They hang around with Him. Huh? Stick with God. You're going to find the other people sticking with God. Well, there's no Christian friends. Yes, there are. You walk with God and you'll bump into His crowd. You walk, see, you stay over here, you're not going to find them. So watch this. But if we're led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. Now drop down to verse 22. Look at this. Look at verse 22. This is amazing to me. All right? All the way down. Keep going. Verse 22. You got it. But, look at this. What happens? What's this called? The what of the Spirit? Fruit. When you plant a seed to put a fruit tree in the ground, you plant that seed, you plant that little seedling, do you get fruit the next day? No, you don't get it the next day. But the process has started, hasn't it? So let me tell you something. I want to look at this list. Look at it. The fruit of the Spirit. Not fruits. It's not, okay, I got love, but I don't have peace. I'm not kind, but I am faithful. No, no, this is a package. Everybody with me? The fruit. Watch this. Look at this. Look at these wonderful things. Love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Now, let me tell you something. Let's stop focusing on where you've been and what you've done and where you're broken. And I want you to look at this, and every bit of that's inside of you right now. Every bit of that's inside you right now. Pastor said, what do you mean? Why? Because God's inside of you. This is the product, the fruit, the development of the resident God in your life. So do I need to take a class on how to grow the fruit of the Spirit? No, you need to love Jesus. You, you see what I'm saying? Well, do I have to memorize these? Okay, i got to memorize it. What is it? Uh, okay, love, joy, peace. You don't have to memorize this. You need to love Jesus. You need to walk with Jesus. You need to stay in fellowship with Him. And you know what begins to happen? You used to be uh, you know, uh, an unhappy person. The love of God begins to operate in your life. You used to be sad all the time. The joy of the Lord comes in your life. You used to be fearful. The peace of God begins to operate in your life. You begin to have patience. You used to be grumpy, and now you're kind. Come on, somebody say hello. You want, don't you want this at your house? Sure you do. You, you, you used to be bad. Now you're good. You used to be, you couldn't count on you. Now you become faithful. You used to be argumentative. Now you're gentle. You, you couldn't say no to anything. Now you have self-control. You understand that's inside you as a born-again Christian. Every bit of that is there. Pastor, how do I get to that place? By walking with Jesus, walking in the Spirit, worshiping, praying, loving God, serving God. What begins to happen? God takes those old things out of your life and puts His nature inside of you. It begins to go. How many are thankful that's in your life? Wouldn't that... How many would say that work in your marriage? Would that work in the marriage? Come on. Man, think about your last, not argument, because I know you're godly, wouldn't argue, but think about your last discussion you had at your house. All right? Let's think about your last discussion. Something that 
some couples disagree about, and nobody here would ever disagree about this, but you know, some couples actually disagree about how to spend money. Did you know that? That's shocking. I understand that. You know, but money's an issue for some families. None of you, I understand. But some people, someplace. I'm teaching you this so you can help someone else, all right? But think of that discussion that some families have over money, and let's walk through the fruit of the Spirit here. You ready? Okay, now, somebody thought you should do this with money, and somebody thought you should do that with money. But as you're discussing this, the love of God's present, the joy of the Lord is there, the peace of God is there, patience is there, you're being kind, you're being good, you're being faithful, you're being gentle, you're exercising self-control. It's really hard to have an argument like that. Anybody? Come on, let's tell the truth. Isn't that kind of a tough way to have an argument? Where are you going to argue? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I just love you. Okay. And I'll tell you another thing. You're giving me a lot of joy. If that's not enough, I have peace because of you. And patience. And I'll tell you another thing. You just better believe it. I'm going to be kind to you. And if you don't know what I, I'm going to be good to you. I'm just going to tell you. you, you just, I'm going to be good and I'm going to be faithful. And I'm just getting tired of your gentleness and your self-control. I'm going to tell you right now. What are you going to argue about? That's in you. Now let's go to this. What if we go to work like this? What if we go to school like this? What if we go to the family reunion and act like this? What if we begin to take this Jesus out of the church, off the screen... And in my heart, and I begin to live like this. What if the people around me used to look at me? You know, oh, so-and-so, he was the grouchiest old cuss I've ever known. And when I think about him now, he's loving, he's got peace, he's got joy, he's got kindness and goodness and faithfulness. You know, these things are going to happen. You know that young person that was so troubled and broken in life, they were cutting their wrist and bleeding, just trying to deal with the pain and these things that are going on. And last time I saw them, did you see the love in their life? Did you see the joy on their face? Did you see the peace they were walking with and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control? Can you see what happens if the resident God starts living through you and I like this out in the marketplace, out in our culture? I'm going to tell you, that'll change things. Can somebody say amen to that? But here's what I want you to see, and that's where I'm leading you in this just for a moment. Uh, I, I want you to look at this. So that's what God does in us. How many are thankful he's working in us today? He's great God. But listen, God doesn't want to stop there. It's not just what he does in us. God wants his kingdom to come through us. God wants this great work he's doing to flow through our lives to come through our lives, not to stop in me, not to remain with me, but to flow through me. So let, let's look at this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I want you to understand this is so important. We're learning. The resident God living in us, changing us, healing us, blessing us, encouraging us. His nature is fruit coming in our life. But watch what he calls us. Are you seeing this? 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ. And how many of us are a part of that body? Each one that's a born-again believer. Now watch this. What does that mean? What does that mean? Why did he call the church the body of Christ? For millennia, until Jesus came, born of a virgin, the Jews and everyone else wondered, what does God look like? How does God talk? What would God do if he came in our world? Well, the virgin birth allowed him the opportunity Jesus put on our flesh over his deity and walked on this planet. And for the first time, we saw God. We were touched by God. We heard the voice of God. 
We saw what God would do. We watched him in action. Why? Because he had a human body to put on so we could see and relate and understand. But then what happened? He lived on this earth for 33 years and then died on a cross in our place. Three days later, he was raised from the grave. And 40 days later, he ascended back to heaven. And he said, when I go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to live in you. And so Jesus came. Jesus lived a life. Jesus showed us God. He died on a cross so that we could be saved and went back to heaven. Now how do people know who God is? We're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Do we literally understand that? In this generation, if your family and my family, if your coworkers and my coworkers, if your classmates and my classmates, if your neighbors and my neighbors are ever going to know who Jesus is, it's going to come through the body of Christ. Literally, you know what he says? We are representing him on this earth now. What he does, he's doing through us just like he did in that one body. Now all of us together make the body of Christ. I want you to think about that word representing. Think about that word. We are representing Jesus. How do we do that, Pastor? That's a tall order because he's in us. Because he's in us. We have this amazing privilege to represent Jesus. Now, think of this for a moment. How does that happen? Jesus told the disciples, we study this, to pray what? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus wants... His will in heaven, God wants His will in heaven to become reality on this earth. God wants the people you and I live with to experience God's will and purpose. How is that going to happen? How will our family and our friends and our co-workers and our classmates and our neighbors, how are they going to know their God is real? Because He's going to live through us. How are they going to know that He cares about them? Because He's going to live through us. How are we, they going to know that he's a God of grace and mercy? Because he's going to live through us. Do you understand that the very same way he walked on this earth for those 33 years, and particularly the last three, and revealed God, that's what the church is to be doing today? We are to be living a life through this God that lives in us that is so obviously God that people are seeing Jesus when they come around us. They see Jesus. Now, think of this. So what does that mean? We, we, we studied this for his kingdom to come and his will is done. How would we know that heaven has stepped into this place? How would we know that, that heaven has stepped on this earth? Well, what's, what's the preeminent factor of heaven? The presence of God. The throne of God. The presence of God. Everything radiates around that. So how does God come to earth? Listen, his presence. His presence comes. God's kingdom comes when the presence of God comes. How does the presence of God come? Through every one of us in whom the resident God is living. So do you realize heaven wants to come to this earth? God wants to step into our world. God wants to walk into this place and live through the lives of his church. He's resident in us. We're his body. We say his words. We are his hands. We're his feet. We carry his heart. We we represent him. We represent him. Are we representing Jesus? Are we representing religion or who we are? Are we really showing him? He's enabled us to do that. His nature is in us. He's living through us. His fruit is in us. But it doesn't stop there. You see, the very fact, I want you to think of this, that we have so many theological arguments is an indictment against the church. The very fact that we debate and divide, people ask me, why are there so many denominations? Stay with me. I want to help you with something here. Why do we see these things? Why do we disagree? It is proof that we are not adequately representing Jesus. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? There should not be a theological argument 
is he the same today? We should not be debating. Do miracles still happen? There should be so many miracles happening that anyone would be embarrassed to ask the question, do miracles still happen today? There should be such an obvious presence of Jesus that atheists would be embarrassed to say, I don't believe in God. There should be so much presence of God through our lives that it would be an embarrassment to be around you and say, God's not real. Are you with me? But see, here's what's happened to us. We ask ourselves this question. How do we change this world? It's not you or me. It's the God who lives in us. It's the presence of God that makes the change. Listen, I'm not a healer. You're not a healer, but the healer lives in us. Are you with me? I'm I'm not a savior, but the savior lives in us. I'm not the answer, but the answer lives in us. And if we allow his presence to be real in our personal life, then where we go, we carry him with us. It starts in your life, mom and dad. And if it's in us, it's in our children. And if our children receive it, it goes to school with them. And it goes to work with us. Are you with me? It goes where we go. It begins here. The resident God, the God of the universe lives in us. He wants to show himself through us to this world we're living in. When that happens, our culture begins to be affected. Do you know what I still believe? I still believe in this crazy nation we live in today where we're more divided than ever, where we're more confused than ever, where there, where, where there are more false things and ungodly things and perverse things happening. I believe God can still change this nation. I believe He can do it. And listen, but we've almost missed it. Listen, I don't, I, I'm going to, I pay attention, I pray, I vote, but I don't think politicians are going to change America. I don't think any other institution is going to change America. Why? What did we read early on in John 3 today? Because everything born of nature can't go higher than natural. And we need some supernatural. We need God to put some super on our natural right now. So I'm not looking to a man-made system to save this nation. I believe the presence of God through the life of his people can so infiltrate our culture that people begin to be aware there is a God in this place. What happened to our nation? Think about it for a minute. In two generations, why do we not pray in school when we used to pray in school? Oh, it's because Madeline Murray O'Hare. You might even know the story. That's not why we don't pray in school. We missed it. Why, why do we argue if the Ten Commandments are on the wall of a government building? Why is that an argument now when it used to not be? If you go look to Washington, D.C. and most of the state buildings in America today, there's scripture over all these places. That was understood. When did that change? When, when did prayer change? Where, where, where did we get to this place? How did it happen? Way back in the early days, I remember, you, some of you guys never know, the, the, the church, they preach against the evils of television. I don't know if you ever heard that. That's probably so far ago, you know what that means. And it's funny to me because back in those days, they're preaching that television was a sin. Well, Lucy and Ricky, you don't know who that is either, but they were married and slept in twin beds. So, I mean, really? That was, and that was, oh, that's a sin. That television, that one-eyed demon in your living room. You hadn't heard all that stuff, but just be glad. So, but now, now, there's no voice. There's no restraint. It's picture perversion. Right there in your house. Right there on your device. Right there on your computer. Pick your perversion. There's no shame. Nothing's wrong. Nobody can say anything's wrong. I'm not 
running for office. I'm not being political now. I'm trying to help you understand something. What do we do? How did that change? You know what changed? The presence of God has been eroded out of our culture. You know whose fault that is? Not Madeline Murray O'Hare. Not Atheists Anonymous. Not politicians. Not laws. We're the only people who carry the presence of God. So we've been intimidated and convinced. Oh, this is a Sunday thing in here. This is just a thing in here. We, 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 don't, we don't carry this out. Hey, let me tell you something. I love this saying. I shared it with you. Atheists don't believe in God, but they sure do miss him. <laughs> they don't know what they're looking for. They don't, they don't believe him, but man, they miss him really bad. And here's what we've done. We've stopped carrying the presence of God. We, we, we've started living natural when we should be supernatural people. We've begun to believe that we can build a church the way we can build anything else in this world. We've begun to believe that we can, we can build our families and our marriages the way we build anything else. I got this, God. I'll call you if I need you. And the issue is, is that you and I carry the presence of God. And if you and I will begin to walk in the presence of God, He's going to begin to heal our lives and straighten us out and set us free and get us right. And then the spirit we read in John 7 says, out of your innermost being shall flow these rivers of living water. And we begin to walk around spilling the Holy Spirit on everybody. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? Not by saying, you old nasty sinner, you reprobate, you straighten up, don't do that. You know, it's this kind of thing. See, we have a church culture instead of a kingdom culture. See, we think the presence is only for here, and that's why that world is dying out there. See, that's what that single mom cries herself to sleep over every night. The presence of God. Somebody to love me. Somebody to help me. And somehow the church has done a horrible job of telling the truth. And the devil's done a great job of telling a lie. And people don't know where to find him anymore. And, 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 and our problem's not these people. Our opportunity is, oh God, we can bring your presence. Your kingdom can come. Your will can be done. Lives can be changed. We begin to walk out the fruit of the Spirit. We begin to walk out the blessing of God and the favor of God. We begin to live in, and the presence of God begins to permeate the culture again. Do you know that when the United States was founded, one of those early visitors from France came in and toured this nation and said, what makes this nation great? And he looked and he, and, and, and he studied and he said, you know, they, they have great industry, they have great wealth, they have great resources, they have great education. But I never understood the greatness of America until I went into their churches and listened to their pulpits. And when I heard the pulpits of America in their churches, I discovered the greatness of that nation. We lost that. But I'm here to tell you. We don't have to pass a law. We don't have to have an edict. We don't need to form another political party. What we need to do is have a prayer party. We need to begin to have a church that radiates, that, that, that carries, that walks in the presence of God. And when the presence of God comes, it begins to infiltrate culture. See, we, we don't get it. We say, well, we, see, we have a church culture. We say, oh, don't say that word in church. Well, why would you, if it's not good, it's, it's bad here and bad out there too, right? Well, you shouldn't act like that in church. Come on, you've all heard people say, don't say that in church. Or, or they think the pastor is, is the deal. Listen, man, <laughs> you know, I, listen, pastors know a lot more than you think. We're just nice. You get out of the car to go make a house call, visit. You know, go make a visit. Boy, you're walking up the driveway, it sounds like the WWE is going on inside that house. So what you do, you learn as a pastor, you walk back out to the car, 
and open the car door. Boom! You slam it real loud so you got their attention. And by the time you get to the front door, they're throwing stuff under the couch and, and I got turn the worship music on. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Pastor. We didn't know you were coming over today. <laughs> Look, man, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You don't need to worry about me. You need to love Jesus. You understand the presence of God. See, we have a church mentality. How about a kingdom mentality? God, come to my house. God, go to work with me. God, go to school with me. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. You with me? Okay. Here's, oh, goodness. I, I, I mean, don't, don't, I don't have time. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to end with this. We'll pick it up next week. 1 Corinthians 12. I want to show you something. I want to show you what's inside of you. Man, there's so much more to you and God than you can imagine. And it's not a Sunday thing. This is a life thing. It's a life thing. Let's carry the presence of God. Can you imagine as His presence begins to infiltrate around us, people start changing. Not because you made them. Not because they have to. Not because they're in a building. Not because the pastor showed up. But because they're hungry for God. God. I want you, God. You know, and we stop moving to only pray when we're in a crisis. And we pray because we just want more of Him. Anybody with me? Okay, thank you. I'm going to try. Anybody with me? We pray because we want more of Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. It's an amazing thing. I'm going to end with these verses. No more verse. In fact, I'm going to read this and close my Bible. So, you, so we'll stop. But I can't quote a lot. Anyway. But anyway, 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Look at this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers... I don't want you to be ignorant. Pretty strong word. He said the church needs to understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now look in verse 7. Watch this. Who are these spiritual gifts for? Now to the pastors and elders. Isn't that what it says? What? Wait a minute. I've been in church a lot. I didn't know these gifts were for everybody. Let's try it again. Now to the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the evangelists. Teachers, right? Right? What does the Bible say? Oh, I'm reading the religious translation. I'm sorry. I got mixed up. Oh, let's read the real Bible. Now to each one. Tap the person next to you politely. Come on. That's you. Some of you didn't get tap, 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 tap. To each one. The manifestation. That's such a cool word. You know what manifestation means? The Greek word means a shining through. Where does God live? In us. You know what the gifts of the Spirit simply are? The Holy Spirit just shining through your life. The picture in the Greek is a very transparent cloth with a bright light behind it. And the light's so bright it just shines through. And you see what's on the inside. That's all this is. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given why? Why is it given? To, to make somebody look real spiritual or to bless everybody around them for the common good. Now look at this. Come on, look at these things. i got to hurry and we'll have to stop. To one that is given through the Spirit, what? The message or word. It's not a sermon. It's a word of wisdom. To another, a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. Verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts, plural, of healing by that one Spirit. Verse 10. To another, miraculous powers. To another prophecy, to another distinguishing or discerning between spirits. I'll tell you what that is. 
not today, but next week, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All right, let's go. Look at this. All these are work of one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to just how? Look at me. All nine of these gifts are in every one of you in this room right now. Every one of those are in you right now. Well, what I have to do? Well, they're called charismata, grace gifts. Grace gifts. How many are born again? You're saved by what? The grace of God? And when the grace of God came in your life, what happened? The Holy Spirit moved in your life. He brought with him these gifts as well as that nature we studied in Galatians. So what I'm telling you right now, you have in you the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. If I don't know what these are, I don't know when God's speaking to me, do I? If I don't know how they operate, I want to know how to say yes to God. I want you to stand with me, and I want our worship team to come. Listen really closely. I'm not through. I want you to stand. I want to tell you something really important. Listen to me. Just stand and listen. I'll tell you what we're going to read next week. I want to show you the power of this. Our worship team's coming. Listen. There was an account in John chapter 4 where a lady came to draw water from the well. She was surprised when she arrived there. Jesus was sitting on the well waiting for her. Listen closely. Now, she was a Samaritan. Samaritans were uh, interracial people where Jews and Gentiles had married. And the Jews didn't accept them and the Gentiles didn't accept them. Listen. So there was a lady who comes to draw water from the well. Now, Jesus, as the Jews' custom, shouldn't have even walked through Samaria. They wouldn't even touch Samaritans, much less talk to a Samaritan woman. So she walks out in the middle of the day, and there's a Jewish man sitting on the well. She's shocked. What are you doing here? There's Jesus. And so they talk a little bit about whose well. She says, well, the Samaritans believe that this well belongs to our father, and you Jews believe this. And right in the middle of it, Jesus said, ma'am, watch this, ma'am. He said, why don't you go get your husband and come back? I'll talk to, to both of you. She goes, well, I don't have a husband. Watch this. This is called a word of knowledge. The realization of a fact you naturally didn't know, but the Holy Spirit gave it to you for a reason. Watch this. He says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you told the truth because you've been married five times and the man you're living with now you're not married to. She said, um, I believe you're a prophet. <laughs> now, was that a moment to embarrass her? It's just the two of them. No. Did he point down at her? No. Did he ridicule her and reject her? No. What happened? Watch. The supernatural God that lives in everyone in this room, and everyone watching me there, had a plan for that lady. And the Holy Spirit spoke in his heart said tell her this she says I think you're a prophet she runs back to town and says you got to come see this guy he told me everything about my life so the whole town runs out and he listened to Jesus and then they say you know we came out here because we believe what she said about you but now we're here because we've heard for ourselves and the whole town got saved watch this what could one word of knowledge do in a high school what if a whole high school could get saved one gift of the spirit what would happen at your workplace one gift one supernatural moment what's it like pastor it's where the presence of God is there and God just 
pulls the curtain back a minute. You mean at work? Yeah. See, you don't have to have a choir and a worship team. You don't have to get a preachery voice. God wanted me to tell you. Cut that stuff out. What if you could just say, not in front of everybody to make embarrassing, could I ask you something? And you tell them. And they're like, how did you know that? God loves you that much. He cares about you that much. Could I pray with you? It starts. Now what if, come on, everybody, everybody raise your hand that had been saved a while ago. Everybody raise your hand that, by grace, oh, I see all those hands goes up. So now, I'm, so look, come on. Can you dream a little bigger with me? Can, can, you, can I stretch your dream? Can your dream be bigger than paying the bill next week? Can your dream be bigger than making it one more month? And could you begin to dream with me that, that, that look, look at all these people in this room. Multiply that times nine. All the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One word of knowledge had a whole town saved. Are you with me? Can we dream a little bigger? Could you just believe, God, you could use me? Yes. That's the whole plan. This resident God living inside of us wants to reach this world. And he's talking. He's talking. We just don't always listen. We just don't always hear him. It's because you're not walking in the Spirit. If I walk, I'm going to begin to know that voice, right? I'm going to begin to know that voice. His voice is distinct as mine. I don't think my voice is that distinct, but I go and play it. I've been in places, somebody turned around and said, I've heard that voice before. Because I preach a lot, different things. I want to be walking along and God says, George, I'd have heard that voice before. Are you with me? Not out loud like this, just inside. Just walking. George, listen, I know when Phyllis calls me. I knew my mom and dad's voice. I can walk in. I know which one of my grandkids is crying. I can tell which one it is. I'm on the phone. Nicole or Joey or Meredith or Jonathan, I hear somebody, I said, oh, that's so-and-so. Why? If you can know my voice, you can know your wife's voice, you can know your husband's voice, you can know God's voice because he lives in you. Everybody with me? This is not way out here. This is life. I'm going to tell you something. You're not natural. You're supernatural. You're supernatural. You might as well accept it. Why don't you go ahead and say it? Come on, say, I'm supernatural. Is that good news? That's good news. Say it again. I'm supernatural. Man. You don't have a cape. You're not, on, you're not in Marvel comic book. You don't, we don't need it. You're supernatural. God's in you. One word. One word. A whole city got saved. I dream about high schools having revival. I dream about, I dream about the Redstone Arsenal having to close down, not because of an active shooter. I, 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 dream of, I dream about them calling me up and saying, you've got to send some pastors over here. We're having revival. We're having prayer meetings. We don't know what to do. We'll come rolling in. I, I'm waiting for the schools to the saying you can't pray in school to call us up and say, we got 800 students walking up and down the hall praying and crying. Could you come over here and tell us something? We don't know what to do in this place. Would you go? <laughs> We're ready to go. You know, the only time they call pastors, this is sad. You know when they call us to come to church, schools now, when there's a crisis. Someone dies. Some child dies in a wreck. 
Don't you think we serve a God who's bigger than a crisis? Don't you want them to call us to school because revival broke out? Come on, dream with me. Raise your level on this thing. He's not going to use me to do your job. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. You've got a gift I don't have. You're in a place I don't go. You got me? You're his his woman. You're his woman. You're his man. You're, you're you're, You're it, man. You're it. It's not bad. It's amazing.